have unleavened bread, the Passover day. We're, we're getting situated and organized here. <clears throat> you know, we had traditionally looked at seven days of unleavened bread as seven following the Passover day. And uh, <clears throat> therefore, we did tend to look at it as seven days of us doing what we can to come out of sin during those seven days. But I think it is important to emphasize what I was saying yesterday, and that is that the biggest, best, most important part of coming out of sin is what Christ himself did for us. And the whole, the whole first day is about him and what he did. Uh, I said that, but I wanted to emphasize it a little bit, because I think there is, and de- definitely is, a division there the first day being dedicated to everything he did. Because from the beginning of the sacrifice of the Lamb at the beginning of the day at sundown, all the way through that night and all the way through the next day, as he was tortured and then finally judged and finally crucified and then buried, that whole day long is not about anything we do. It was about everything he did. And that leaves the last six then for us to do our part of coming out of sin. Uh, I think that's a change in the way we need to look at it and, and realize the utmost importance of that first day because it is a memorial and it is a feast. It is a holy convocation, a very, very important day. <clears throat> so maybe that's a... It's a change of view based on a better understanding of the seven days of Passover. Let's go into John tonight, since we're on this uh, series. I, I departed from it yesterday because of meat in due season particularly. But I, I think this is an important part of Scripture to go by because or go through at this time because uh, we're focusing on Christ and what He did and His works and what went on on the earth. There's no great technical uh, exposition here one way or another. <clears throat> that's uh, exciting in that sense. But to go through and review what our Savior did while He was on this earth, and therefore what He's willing to do for us. The things that He did then were recorded for us so that we might read, we might understand, and the things that He did while He was here on this earth for th- during His three-and-a-half-year ministry or the things that he's going to do for his remnant church again here in the end time. So what John is writing here isn't just a a historical account, but it is also a prophetic account of these days, because the, the major healings he did and so on, he's promised us he's going to do again. So as we view this material, I, I think we need to apply it to today, uh, in a very, very real sense. So then let's go into chapter 7, having left off here before. It says, after these things uh, of chapter 6, Emmanuel walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Judea. Uh, King James says Jewry, but New King James says Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. So there were times when he avoided them by losing himself in a crowd or various means he used to get away, but he didn't go in there knowing there were people set to kill him and just, uh, you know, thumb his nose at them. He just didn't go there. Excuse me, I, I've been coughing all day like this. It's kind of the tag end of a cold. I'll try to, try to control it. Now, the Jews' Feast of Tabernacles was at hand. Uh, now, it's God's Feast of Tabernacles that we keep, but the Jews were not always keeping the calendar according to the heavens. So, uh, we find at the end of this chapter, even on Passover itself, 
they were keeping the 15th, and uh, maybe even have been postponing uh, to some degree back then, even before uh, Hillel revamped the calendar of the three four hundreds. So anyway, he calls it the Jews' Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, his brethren therefore said to him, Depart hence and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you do. So, <clears throat> for there is no man that does anything in secret, and he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For neither did his brethren believe in him. So they were encouraging to go out and show it off, because uh, not even they believed him. Prophet has no honor in his own country. They looked upon him as just another human being. Uh, he's a brother. We grew up with him. Uh, what you know? Uh, who's he? It's, it's hard for people who know someone well to believe that God could be using them, and that's what he ran into there. Then Emmanuel said to them, "My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready." Uh, so he was on a time schedule with his father of what he would do and when he would do it, uh, but they had their own ideas. The world cannot hate you, but me it hates, because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. So they didn't offend the world. Uh, they were just part of the world. They were going along with things. But when he came and told people that they were evil, they didn't like it. <laughs> uh, maybe that's one of the reasons they always stoned the prophets, uh, because they came always and told people they were sinning and they needed to turn to God. I think that was one of the primary things. It just It's just contrary to human nature. We don't want to be told what to do. We don't want to be told we're wrong. We want to think we're okay and we're righteous and we're this and we're that, but that isn't always true. In fact, that's rarely been true. <laughs> So, God was always sending somebody to tell them uh, what was wrong. And he was hated. You know, how, how can you hate Christ? But they did. He had, ne he had never done anything wrong, period. And was hated anyway because of the message he brought. <coughs> Uh, go you up to this feast, I go not up yet to this feast, speaking to his brothers. He told them to go on up, but he wasn't going yet. For my time is not yet full come. When he had said these words to them, he abode still in Galilee. But when his brothers were gone up, then went he also up to the feast, not openly, but as it were, in secret. So he didn't come in and demand the stage. Uh, he didn't go up at the beginning. He came up a little later when he was ready. Uh, it doesn't say here what it was that uh, his time wasn't fully come yet. Uh, but for some reason, he did not want to go at the beginning and present what he had to present. Uh, he had his own schedule uh, then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, Where is he? They expected him to be there, and they couldn't find him. And there was much murmuring among the people concerning him, for some said he's a good man, others said no, but he deceives the people. So there was a wide variety of attitudes toward Christ himself, just as there is today. Howbeit no man spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. Uh, Whatever opinions they had, they were kind of whispering among themselves whether he was good or whether he was bad, but they were being careful uh, and not saying things too loudly or in the wrong place because if they backed Christ and the Jews hated him, then they can themselves be in trouble. Now, about the midst or the middle of the feast, Emmanuel went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How knows this man letters, having never learned? And Emmanuel answered and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. Now, he hadn't been educated in their schools, uh, but he'd been educated by his father himself. So, 
they knew his background. He knew from came from Galilee, where there wasn't a great uh, area of, uh, let's say, uh, high intellectual people. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaks of himself seeks his own glory, but he that seeks his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. <clears throat> you ever notice people speak of themselves a lot? <laughs> Sometimes you get to run across people and all they can talk about themselves seems like, just on and on and on, talking about self. Well, they're... They're seeking their own glory. They're, seek, they're patting themselves on the back. They're trying to make themselves look important one way or another. And it's not just in a religious sense or in a leadership sense here. People do that all the time. Did not Moses give you the law? And yet none of you keep the law. Well, they thought they did. He says, why do you go about to kill me? The law says don't do any murder, and you're constantly trying to kill me. So you're not keeping the law. The people answered and said, you have a devil. Who goes about to kill you? <laughs> well, not me. I'm not trying to kill you. What do you mean? Who are you talking about? Emmanuel answered and said to them, I have done one work, and you all marvel. Moses therefore gave you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers, and ye on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. If a man on the Sabbath day receive circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry at me because I've made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day? How much effort was it physically for him to heal that man on the Sabbath day? All he had to do was say, pick up your bed and walk circumcising a baby on the eighth day uh, was a lot more work than that. I'd tie the little rascal down or hold him down and and, uh, and do an actual physical operation. He just said, take up your bed and walk, which is the most work and which does the most good. <laughs> so <clears throat> they were making, they were making a an idol out of the Sabbath instead of keeping the Sabbath. I think that's what a lot of people, I think the Seventh-day Adventists have basically done that. They do a lot of things on the Sabbath that you and I uh, wouldn't or shouldn't be doing, but they hold the Sabbath up as something very, very important, and yet they don't keep it, I don't think, in the manner that God really intends. Just to cease from your job that you do normally isn't enough. He says that we are not to think our own thoughts and do our own pleasures on that day. Well, there again is mind control. Uh, on the Sabbath, do we sometimes let our mind wander off into places it shouldn't go, just like we do on Monday and Tuesday? Uh, do we think about business or work or various other things? Uh, make plans for the next week or, you know, whatever comes to mind or... <coughs> so keeping it is important, but the Jews have taken it to the point that's completely bizarre. <coughs> Not even tearing off toilet paper or turning the lights off or on on the Sabbath and things like that. It just... So, so picky... And yet they miss the whole point of what it's all about. So he's trying to kind of give them an idea that, you know, doing some good on the Sabbath, like healing, I have no conscience whatever. Somebody asked to be anointed on the Sabbath, <laughs> you know, that's a good day to do it. Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Things are not always as they appear. Then said some of them of Jerusalem, Is this not he whom they seek to kill? Maybe they didn't know him by sight, but as he talked, 
they began to realize, hey, you know, oh, I think I know who this is. But lo, he speaks boldly, and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? Don't they know who this is? Uh, I guess the, the rulers, the leaders, were kind of hanging back at this point. How about, how be it, we know this man, whence he is, but when Christ comes, no man knows whence he is. Says, well, the, the leaders may not think this is Christ, and we know where this man came from. He's from Nazareth. Uh, when Christ comes, no man knows whence he is. Then cried Emmanuel in the temple as he taught, saying, You both know me, and you know whence I am. And I am not come of myself, but he that sent me is true, whom you know not. He had to defend who he was. Uh, God does not like self-styled prophets, people who appoint themselves to be teachers. There are scriptures about that. And he made it clear here that he didn't come on his own, but uh, the Father had sent him. And he said also, you don't know the Father. But I know him, for I am from him, and he has sent me. Then they sought to take him. <laughs> Uh, them, them fighting words, they said. What do you mean the Father in heaven sent you? But no man laid hands on him because his hour was not yet come. They, they tried. They had the attitude. They wanted to kill. Uh, but it wasn't time. And many of the people believed on him and said, <coughs> When Christ comes, will he do more miracles than these which this man has done? Well, they weren't really quite ready to accept that he was the Christ. They, they could see that he was doing some miracles, doing certain things, but he still couldn't be the Christ. The Pharisees heard that the people murmured, murmured such things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests and officers to take him. So maybe they hadn't even been there in this opening dialogue, <coughs> but then they, somebody told them, that he was there. Then said Emmanuel to them, Yet a little while I am with you, and then I go to him that sent me. You shall seek me, and you shall not find me, and where I am, you can't come. That reminds me of uh, a verse we read the other night in Passover service, which is one of the proofs that we go to heaven. Uh, did you notice that as we were reading through there? Back here, was it in 13? Verse 36 in chapter 13. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where do you go? Emmanuel answered him, Where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. Now that fits in with what we learned in the... Uh, a series on uh, how exclusive is the church that we pictured by the Day of Atonement go up, meet Christ in the air at the Feast of Trumpets, go up and marry Him in atonement on the Father's at the Father's throne on the Sea of Glass. So He was actually referring to that right here. He said, "You can't go to heaven with me now, but later on." You'll follow me when I go back. There's another good proof scripture to put with that. I may have used it in that series. I don't remember. <clears throat> but uh, sometimes he says things like that that have a lot of meaning that we just we just flipped on by and never saw before. You are going to heaven for a short while, and then come back in glory uh, with the new heavens and new earth to be the bride of Christ and rule on the earth a thousand years. But it doesn't mean we don't take a, a honeymoon a honeymoon in heaven. <laughs> that, that sounds pretty neat. That's better than the Caribbean. Anyway, he says, where I am, you can't come. He didn't tell them they'd come later because uh, they aren't going there. Only the bride is going there. The rest will be on the earth and be earthbound and stay here. And when they're changed... Uh, in their order, they'll stay here. They'll never go up there because the Father and the Son are coming down at the beginning of the millennium and will remain here forevermore. So we're the only ones that go. 
<coughs> then said the Jews among themselves, Where will he go that we shall not find him? Will he go to the dispersed among the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles? What do you mean we can't go where you go? What manner of saying is this that he said, You shall seek me and shall not find me, and where I am you cannot come? I guess they figured well, if he goes to the Gentiles, we're not going there. Uh, but they didn't understand that he was talking about his father's throne. And the last day, that great day of the feast, there's where we get the, the name, the last great day, Emmanuel stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. Now, we have to understand that verse in the light of who he was talking to on that day. Uh, he was talking about the time that the last great day pictures. Now, we know from John 6:44, no man can come except the Spirit of the Father draw him, and we also know that in this day and age, he's only calling a few. But when the last great day comes, that's the general resurrection at the end of the millennium when the rest of the dead rise, according to Revelation 20. And at that point, everybody is called. Everybody on earth will have opportunity who is alive at that time. So he says, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. So he's saying at that particular time, all those people that have been resurrected, billions of them, will have an automatic invitation. Uh, the Father will be calling them at that time. <coughs> so it's a doctrinal statement of a, of a time to come. He that believes on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. That's an emotional thing. Uh, your your emotions are much are much centered in your midsection. That's why when you get emotionally upset, you you feel your stomach knot up because it's a, a very powerful seat of emotions. And even feelings of good, you, you kind of feel in your middle. Uh, so, good will flow. Good emotion, good feeling, good spirit of well-being will flow from the emotional center of people at that time. But this spoke he of the Spirit which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Emmanuel was not yet glorified. So, the Holy Spirit is to flow through us. It is to give us a good attitude. It is to give us what? Peace, joy, love, long-suffering, patience. Uh, those good emotions, those good feelings, those good attitudes come from His Spirit, and that emotion that the Holy Spirit gives will be good emotion instead of the negative and the evil that we deal with now around the world. <clears throat> and those people will be allowed to receive the Holy Spirit at that time. It's been given to us in advance, to a few people, but to them uh, everywhere as the great white throne judgment begins. Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said of a truth, this is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. So, they looked, some looked upon him as the prophet. Others said, no, it's Christ himself. But some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? <laughs> there again, Galilee wasn't a an intellectual center, uh, an area of of what you would say may be a high caste or high level or class of people. Uh, and I think God had him come out of that kind of an environment on purpose, that anything he did was of glory to God, not because he was high-born or, or uh, mighty and noble in that sense by birth. Has not the Scripture said that Christ comes of the seed of David and out of the town of Beth Bethlehem where David was? 
Well, they knew him as having come from Nazareth in Galilee, but they may not have realized he was actually born in Bethlehem, the city of David. So what they didn't know was leading them astray. So there was a division among the people because of him. And some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. So some really liked what they heard, others didn't. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and said to them, Why have you not brought him? The officers answered, Never man spoke like this man. Uh, you know, they may have been a bit afraid. Uh, there were times when they tried to lay hands on him, they tried to kill him, and then some of the time they, they kind of backed off. Then answered them the Pharisees, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed on him? Uh, says, Where do you people that like him get this? The Pharisees don't like him, and they're your leaders. <laughs> Well, Pharisees weren't very good leaders. Christ made that play. But this people who know not the law are cursed. So again, they thought they were the arbiters of the law and uh, thought they were keeping it. Nicodemus said to them, He that came to Emmanuel by night, being one of them, does our law judge uh, any man before it hears him and knows not what he does? They answered and said to him, Are you also of Galilee? <laughs> now Paul, I mean uh, John, had was speaking to Nicodemus at the beginning of, uh, of this book, remembering explaining to him what being born again is, or be, be, being born of the Spirit and not the flesh. So Nicodemus was still around, and he had apparently believed what he had been told. Well, so are you also of Galilee? You don't sound very educated. You're not up on things. You're not so bright. So they said, search and look. For out of Galilee arises no prophet. I said, look around. You see anybody from Galilee that's a prophet? No. So this man can't be either. And every man went to his own house. So I guess they decided not to fight and just go on home. <clears throat> anyway, Emmanuel went into the Mount of Olives in beginning chapter 8. And early in the morning he came again to the temple. And all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say to him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Uh, now Moses and the law commanded us, that such should be stoned. But what say you? This they said, tempting him, that they might have uh, something to accuse him of. Was, was he going to back the law, or wasn't, was he not going to back the law? <clears throat> but Emmanuel stooped down, and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said to them, he that is without sin among you, let him cast, first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest even to the last. And Emmanuel was left alone, and the woman standing in the middle. When Emmanuel had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those your accusers? Has no man condemned you? She said, No man, Lord. And Emmanuel said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Uh, this passage is quoted a lot, but there's been uh, quite a lot of debate about it as to whether it was actually in the original manuscripts or not. Um, I don't know for sure. Uh, it's, it's a nice story, you know, about forgiveness and him being willing to forgive the woman and not stone her or let them stone her. So maybe it's been speculated what he, what he wrote on the ground, maybe some of their sins or, or what, so that they were embarrassed and ashamed and therefore slunk away. So it may or not be actually a true story. 
just understand and put a question mark in your mind that <clears throat> that uh, that may not be in the original manuscript. Then spoke Emmanuel again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Uh, he that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said to him, You bear record of yourself. Your record is not true. I mean, you're just talking about yourself here. Emmanuel answered and said to them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. I may be talking about myself, he said, but it doesn't make any difference. It's true anyway. For I know where I came and where I go, but you cannot tell whence I come and where I go. He knew he'd been in heaven with his father. He knew he was going to go back. But they had no way of knowing where he had come from or where he was going to go. You judge after the flesh. <laughs> you're just looking at me as a man and you don't know what you're talking about. Now, they thought they knew what they were talking about. We've run into that many, many times in life, I think, where people think they know what they're talking about and they don't have a clue. It's like the guy <coughs> claimed he was a ship captain. And uh, somebody came and was, was talking about it as he mouthed off about how he was a captain. And he says, well, to you, you may be a captain. To your mother, you may be a captain, but to a captain, you're not a captain. <laughs> you know, we can get an idea of what we think and what we think we are, but then there are people who really know. It reminds me of a time that I was talking to some guy, I don't remember where it was now, and uh, bear hunting came up. And so I said, told a bear story of, of a hunt I'd been on or something, so... He decided he needed to compete. So then he told me a bear story. And I realized right away he'd probably never seen a bear outside a zoo because he didn't know anything about bears. So I told another bear story, and then he tried to one-up me on that. So I, I, that, that expression I just said came to mind, you know. To you, you're a bear hunter, but to a bear hunter, you're not a bear hunter. Uh, because I'd been there, done that many times, and uh, he didn't know anything about it. And it was very obvious this, to me, who had been there and done that many times, that he didn't have a clue. So, just a simple little physical thing, but uh, it is so easy to deceive ourselves uh, on whatever the subject of the day may be. So he says, you guys think you're of Abraham, you think you're of Moses, and yet you don't really keep the law. And uh, in other places, he told them what they really were. Snakes, uh, unwashed cups, <laughs> the inside of a grave of a tomb, and other really complimentary things, he called them. <clears throat> so he says, you judge after the flesh. You, you have no idea of the spirit world and where I've been and where I'm going. I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. So he says, I'm not here to judge you, and he wasn't. Now, he is the judge ultimately, and he is coming back to judge, but he wasn't here on the earth to give them judgment, and certainly not a final judgment. They hadn't even been called yet. Those people come up in the second resurrection, last great day, and then they can come to the Father. He says, That's, I'm not here to judge, but if I do make some judgments on certain things, uh, it's a true judgment. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. Uh, to accuse anybody of anything, you have to have two eyewitnesses. That's why God is going to have two witnesses go against the world at the end that witness that he is God. <clears throat> and the world will do like these men did to Christ. They'll say, you're not from God. And they'll say, 
we know who we're serving. Uh, he appointed us, and he told us what message to bring and what to tell you. But they're all going to say, no, 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 you're not from God. You're just doing this on your own. So uh, what was true then has always been true and always will be. Uh, people tend not to believe when God does something. <coughs> so he said, you've got to have two witnesses. And he says, I am one that bear witness of myself. <coughs> and the Father that sent me bears witness of me. So there's, there's the Father and the Son both testifying uh, of who he was. You won't get two better witnesses than that. Then said they to them, they unto him, Where is your father? Manuel answered, You neither know me nor my father. If you had known me, you should have known my father also. He was just like him. <laughs> they were thinking of Joseph in Galilee. They didn't understand the spiritual at all. These words spoke Emmanuel in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. <coughs> then said Emmanuel again to them, I go my way, and you shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Where I go, you cannot come. So he was not offering salvation to them then. Now we know uh, from John 3.16 that, that God sent him, that all men might eventually have salvation, Right? That was the purpose of sending him in the first place. But each man in his own order. And these people are never going to go to God's throne in heaven. Uh, they'll come up in the last great day. So they were going to die in their sins. Uh, it's appointed all men once to die. Now, what did he promise us? He promised us forgiveness of our, our sins so we can at this time be offered salvation. Uh, now is a day of salvation for a few. But these would come up later. If you don't understand the sequence of the resurrections in the Bible, this means nothing to you. You don't know what he's talking about. They didn't either. But it's only a few people. That, that verse right there, verse 21, the whole Protestant world, the whole Christian world, has no clue what it's even saying. Do we realize that? We get so used to understanding about the first resurrection, the second resurrection, and the third, and so on, that maybe we understand that when we read it. But people who don't understand the first, second, and third resurrection don't have a clue what he's even saying. They, they just gloss over it. They, what does that mean? They all think they're going to heaven. And he says, where I'm going, you can't come. <laughs> Well, they're not going to heaven. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself? <laughs> Before, they said, where are you going to go? To the Gentiles so we can follow? And now they, they decided, well, maybe he's just going to commit suicide. And we can't go there. We don't want to go there. Because he says, where I go, you can't come. So he says, well, I can go anywhere he can go. So maybe he's just going to kill himself. Strange what ideas you can come up with when you don't understand something. He said to them, You are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. This isn't where I came from. That's why we don't vote. That's why we don't get involved in politics. We are ambassadors for Christ. Uh, we are here to represent Him. But his kingdom is not of this earth. <clears throat> if it were, his servants would fight, John 18.36. But we're not. Uh, and his kingdom is not of this world, so we don't fight or go to war. I said, therefore, to you, verse 24, that you shall die in your sins, and if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. He was the only hope that they had uh, for eternal life, and it wasn't actually even being offered at that point. But, it, but he knew 
when they would have their chance, and they would still have to accept him. Even in the millennium and great white throne judgment, Christ is still the only door to salvation. So uh, when they would come up, then they would have a chance to live. Then said they to him, Who are you? And Emmanuel said to them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard of him. They understood not that he spoke to them of the Father, so it was just gibberish to them. What in the world is he talking about? Then said Emmanuel to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, that is, put him on the stake, then shall you know that I am he, and what I do, that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father has taught me, I speak these things. So there was a great manifestation of God when he died. Uh, three hours of darkness came when they hung him on the stake. And then an earthquake occurred, and people were resurrected to physical life and came walking in. Uh, something pretty <laughs> impressive had just happened. So he says, <clears throat> when you lift me up, when you crucify me, then you're going to know. He that sent me is with me, and the Father has not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Now there was a time when the Father would leave him alone, but he wasn't at this point. Uh, when he just before he died, he says, "Father, why have you forsaken me?" So God did forsake him there for a short while, uh, because he was filthy with our sins, and God could have nothing to do with those billions of sins that we have committed. But he was feeling very, very alone as he died there. Verse 30, as he spoke these words, many believed on him. <clears throat> Some of them were kind of getting it. Then said Emmanuel to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. How do you become a disciple or a follower of Christ? Well, you do what he said. You believe him. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How say you, you shall be made free? We aren't slaves. We aren't in bondage. We have freedom through Abraham. Emmanuel answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, whosoever commits sin is the servant of sin. It doesn't make any difference if you're kin to Abraham. Uh, if you sin, that's whose servant you are. And the servant abides not in the house forever, but the son abides forever. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So, he said, I'm the Son of God. Abraham is not. And Abraham didn't free any of us from sin, did he? I mean, it's nice to be related to him, I suppose, uh, through bloodlines, but it does, the bloodlines don't matter anymore. Race doesn't matter. Nothing. Only the Spirit of God dwelling in us matters. And Christ is the only name whereby we may be saved. So Abraham and Moses don't mean a thing in that sense. Christ is the key. <clears throat> Remember when Moses and Elijah appeared in the transfiguration before the disciples and they wanted to make uh, houses or temporary dwellings? And uh, they saw Moses and Elijah and they were real impressed in the vision. It wasn't really Moses and Elijah there. They were dead, but it was a vision. And they recognized them as Moses and Elijah. Okay, here's somebody important. We'll, we'll build some booths for them. And Christ said, uh, or, or in the vision, he says, this is my son. Uh, follow him. Words to that effect. I didn't say it quite right, but uh, Moses and Elijah don't really matter. Christ is the key. Listen to him. <clears throat> and I think that was an important lesson for those leaders of the apostles because they too had grown up in a world ruled by the Jews and by Pharisees and Sadducees. 
It may have had some of the same uh, mindset of being kin to Moses or Abraham or Elijah or whoever, and looked to them. And uh, God made it very clear in the vision, no, this is my son, follow him. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. Oh, I've already read that, let's go on down, uh, well, verse 36 summed it up. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. It says, you're looking to Abraham, and I'm aware of that, but you're forgetting the Son of God. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father. Well, Abraham going to save you? Nope. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Emmanuel said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. So yeah, you can holler about Abraham all you want, but you're not living like Abraham did. And now you seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth, which I've heard of God. This did not Abraham. Abraham hasn't told you the truth. Abraham wasn't even fully aware of the truth, and he died long, long, long before Christ came to this earth. Now, he had some spiritual understanding and obeyed God and will be in the kingdom of God, as Hebrews 11 says, but he certainly doesn't hold the keys to life and death. <clears throat> so then they, they take a cheap shot after this. You do the deeds of your father, then said they to him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. So uh, when he tried to tell them who he was, they said, oh, okay, we know. Uh, your mother wasn't even wed when you were conceived. You're a little bastard from Nazareth. Emmanuel said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? They just couldn't get it. <coughs> you are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So their murderous, hateful, bitter attitude, he said, proves who you worship. Your father is the devil. It isn't Abraham. It isn't the father in heaven. Whoever you obey is your father. Whosever attitude you have is your spiritual father. God does not believe in hate, murder, bitterness, anger, malice, all those things. Satan is the destroyer. He is the accuser of the brethren. Anybody in an accusative attitude and mood is of their father, the devil, because that's who they're following. Scary business. That's why we're here at Passover time, to get rid of any anger, uh, any bitterness, any accusation toward anybody. That just isn't the way God is. Uh, verse 45, And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? You, you, he said, you don't have any examples of me sinning. You don't have any witnesses of me sinning. And I tell, me the truth, I tell the truth, and you don't believe me. He that is of God hears God's words. He was just simply reciting God's words to them. You therefore hear them not, because you are not of God. Then answered the Jews and said to him, Say we not well that you are a Samaritan and have a devil? <laughs> so they accused him, first of all, of, of being illegitimate. And now, and they hated the Samaritans, uh, so you're a Samaritan and you have a devil. <clears throat> Emmanuel answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and do you do dishonor me. Well, that means that they 
by dishonoring him were of the devil. And I seek not my own glory. There is one that seeks and judges. Truly, truly, I say to you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Now, does that mean he's not speaking here of physical death, obviously, because all those people died. And they certainly didn't go to heaven after what he had said to them. <laughs> that wasn't an option. Uh, so he's obviously speaking. Uh, if you'll listen to what I have to say and keep my sayings, you won't die eternally. He's speaking of eternal life here and eternal death. Then said the Jews to him, Now we know that you have a devil. Abraham is dead and the prophets. And you say, If a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. <coughs> Abraham and the prophets are dead. What do you mean to tell us we wouldn't die? Well, they were still thinking physically. Are you greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? Well, yeah. And the prophets are dead, who make uh, you yourself. Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. You claim that God the Father is your God, but he says your actions show that Satan's your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say, I know him not, I shall be a liar like you. I really do know him, and I can't say I don't. But I knew him and keep, but I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. So Abraham looked forward to uh, Christ coming to this earth. And Christ must have told him about it and showed it to him in some fashion so that Abraham understood way before it even happened. <clears throat> he was happy to hear that Christ was coming and that there was eternal life that could be offered because it wasn't offered to many people in the Old Testament. That was just a physical covenant, a physical promises. The spiritual covenant was not offered except to a very few in the Old Testament. Then said the Jews to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and you've seen Abraham? <laughs> you know, Abraham was dead, been dead for thousands of years, and you saw him? Emmanuel said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So he's saying, I'm the God of the Old Testament. And I talked with Abraham. I sat on the plain of Mamre and ate with Abraham. Then took they up stones to cast at him. That's, that's it. You're going to die now. But Emmanuel hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. So, hey, it's right on 8 o'clock. <clears throat> Finished up 8, so we'll stop there for this evening. My voice is about had it anyway. <clears throat>